Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring The Michael McCoy Show. It is Monday, January 4th, 2021. Wow. We made it past 2020. God, I hope that 2021 treats us better. But for now, good afternoon, everybody. My name is Michael McCoy. You're listening to The Michael McCoy Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. And let me tell you, it is good to be back. I don't know anybody that's listening out there or or how many people are listening out there, but I, I missed I missed this. I missed you guys. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope that everyone had a very blessed holiday season. Let's see. Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. I mean, I don't know if I'm missing any, but God bless you all. I hope everybody do, is doing great. And everybody is staying safe. Happy New Year. And um, got a lot to cover, man. The last time that the show aired was mid-December, pretty much. Had some time off. Was grateful for it. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I, I was I was, I was, was really happy to, you know, not have to do this, even though I love it. But, it, you know, it's always cool to get a break and have time for yourself. Um, but now we're back to it. Got a lot of things to talk about. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and start off with college football. We're going to talk about the NBA and the NFL. The playoffs are going to be underway next week. So let's get right to it, man. Um, Talking college football, of course. And uh, one of the things that I wanted to get into was the final college football playoff rankings. I think they're a crock of, you know what, to be honest with you, um, I'm pull, I have them pulled up right here, and uh, if you guys don't remember what they were, they went a little bit like this. So after championship weekend and all-conference all champions uh, were crowned, uh, the college football rankings were Alabama at number one, no movement there. Clemson moved up a spot to number two. Ala, I'm sorry, uh, Ohio State moved up a spot to number three. And Notre Dame rounded out the top four, dropping two spots to number four. Boy, is Notre Dame bias real. I mean, we've talked about this at least once uh, on the show this season, how Notre Dame bias is a real thing. And here's just another example of it. To recap, anybody that does not recall, uh, the example of Notre Dame bias that I gave a couple weeks into the season was after they won at home against a Louisville Cardinal team that they were supposed to absolutely smack in the face and blow out. They win. I believe that score was 13 to six on the same weekend that Georgia lost to Alabama. Okay. And I felt that Notre Dame should have dropped, even though they won, even though Georgia lost, I still felt that Notre Dame should have uh, dropped. Why? Well, because, uh, the example that I gave, which is another example of Notre Dame bias, was back in 05 when they uh, lost to an undefeated USC team at home, the Bush push game. They did not budge in the rankings the following day. They stayed put at number nine. And this was Charlie Weiss's first year of uh, coaching, if I'm not mistaken. So I use that example to say that uh, Georgia lost to what I felt was the best in the the best team in the country at that point, Alabama. Yeah, they lost by double digits, 
But uh, I felt that they shouldn't have dropped in the rankings because Notre Dame played that bad. They're the team that should have dropped. And Georgia lost to a team. I mean, it's Bama. I mean, what, what else can you say? That's how I felt. And then, um, you know, here's just another example of it because Notre Dame gets absolutely handled in the quote-unquote ACC championship game. They lose to Clemson. Don't remember what the score was, but they lost handily. And they were second in the college football playoff rankings. They dropped two spots to number four when you have Texas A&M sitting there. And uh, granted, Texas A&M didn't lose their I'm sorry, didn't win their their conference. But let me tell you something. Losing late is the worst thing you can do in college football. Do we just forget that rule, ladies and gentlemen? We just forgot all about that, right? Or the CFP committee just forgot all about losing late is like the worst thing you can do in college football. Well, not when it comes to Notre Dame. They're in it and uh, or were they were in it. They lost in the semifinal round to Alabama. They got handled. Uh, Clemson lost big time to Ohio State in, you know, their semifinal game. But I don't want to talk about uh, that that two versus three matchup. I just want to talk about how it was ridiculous, in my opinion, that Notre Dame even got in. When you got Texas A&M was sitting there 8-1, they had quality wins. Uh, you can make an argument for Cincinnati, and that's pretty much it because you're not going to put a two-loss Oklahoma in there or a uh, – or a Florida team, you know, that, that lost to A&M, that was ranked ahead of them. Uh, I believe A&M should have gotten the nod. And uh, Notre Dame, they, they, they just constantly – and plus, when you figure their history into all of this, anytime Notre Dame plays a big game or in the postseason, they just – they don't show up. They lose. They get, they get embarrassed because that's what Notre Dame is. They're that high school football team that is coached really, really well, that doesn't play anybody – every year but they have just enough athletes to get by that's Notre Dame that's exactly who Notre Dame is and uh I mean are you surprised they showed their true colors they got handled by Alabama here we are but um yeah I'm just I'm just getting sick of it and uh I'll tell you another thing that I found funny uh in terms of the college football playoff was Dabble Sweeney's comments did you guys catch that I thought it was really funny for him to uh to come out and, and, and do what he did. Granted, um, his reasoning for it was actually pretty solid, okay? It was actually pretty solid, but the timing of it, you know, Dabble's kind of feeling himself a little bit too much lately, and it's catching up with him. That's the difference between he and Nick Saban and Alabama and Clemson because there's a lot of people nationally that just, they don't like, you know, aside from SEC folk, but... Um, Alabama rums, rubs, I'm sorry, uh, people the wrong way. And I don't know why. Nick Saban, too, and I get it. You know, he may have had, you know, because he's changed, if you guys haven't noticed his demeanor. He's not that same uh, guy that gives uh, lip and, you know, lip service and attitude to the media. Don't get me wrong. He's still very capable of it. Still a very fiery competitor. But the consistency is not there so much. He's kind of calmed down some. And so uh, – he was never Dabble Swin. He never talked trash out of his hoo-ha. He never really did that, okay? And Dabble was just, it, it, it kind of, it's kind of like, 
he doesn't know how to handle it. It's kind of like he's never been here before when he absolutely has. I mean, this isn't his first go round uh, with comes to being a top team, but he just fires off at the mouth a little bit too much. You know, he made some comments in the off season or beginning of the season that just weren't, you know, favorable, just kind of need to shut up sometimes. And I don't know if he gets that, but uh, he ranked Oklahoma. I'm sorry, not Oklahoma. He ranked the Ohio state Buckeyes 11th in the, uh, in his coaches poll. And the reasoning he gave, you know, to it was they never played enough games. I, he said, I felt you had to play a certain amount of games to uh, to be ranked at a certain position in the polls. So he ranked them at 11. So, I mean, I wonder how he felt losing to the 11th ranked team in his mind in the country. Granted, uh, to, in his defense, he said that, you know, Ohio State is a team that can beat us. Ohio State is a team that can win it all. But guess what? that nobody heard that part trust me nobody heard that part all they heard was that uh did i say alabama did i did i say alabama <laughs> i meant to say ohio state ohio state is a team that could beat us and they can go all the way and you know what that's exactly what they did that alabama ohio state national championship game that we're gonna see is gonna be a really good i still have alabama i i anybody that's been paying attention to this show that's been paying attention to my twitter account when clemson was ranked number one you know uh, throughout the season before they lost to Notre Dame in overtime without Trevor Lawrence. Uh, you guys know that I had Bama number one the whole year. I just, I, 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 their style of play, they're putting up points like nobody's business. They have the best coach in college football. Nobody's really playing great, great, great defense this year for, uh, you know, back to back to back to back games like that. You may see great defense in spots, uh, situations, games, quarters, but there's no dominant defensive team like, say, you know, Hurricanes of the past or the Bambas that we've seen earlier on in the Nick Saban years. That, that team is just that's not it in college football right now. It's about who can score the most. And Alabama's doing that with their uh, soon to be University of Texas uh, coach Steve Sarkeesian, their offensive coordinator. We're going to talk about him in a little bit. Um, by the way, listening to the Michael McCoy show on Sirius XM channel 145 Slam Radio. But um, that game is going to be an absolute barn burner. And I can't wait right here in Miami Gardens. Uh, I hope Alabama wins, man. I need them to win. As a matter of fact, every Miami Hurricanes fan listening right now needs Alabama to beat Ohio State because the last thing Ohio State can do is come into Miami Gardens and win a national championship on Miami's home turf. That's just, no, it can't happen. But, yeah, I felt those Dabble comments were were funny. Um, Speaking of uh, Tom Herman, I was going to talk about him. He gets fired. Yeah, yeah, Texas head coach gets fired. And you know what? I think it's I, – I, I didn't like it. I absolutely did not like it, and I'll tell you why. Um, when you go 32-18 and 18 in four seasons, you're 4-0 and 0 in bowls, including a win in the Sugar Bowl, okay? I get it. You were 1-3 versus Ohio State, but get – I'm sorry, not Ohio State, Oklahoma, which is obviously – everybody knows uh, that's Texas's arch nemesis, okay? You just can't do that. It's like Miami losing to, you know, Florida State every single year. You can't do that. But um, he did. He went one in three. But guess what? Those three losses all were one-score games. You know, they were all one-score games. He gets the boot. I don't think it was warranted. 
uh, four seasons, like I said, 4-0 in bowls, 32-18 and 18, uh, record as a head coach at Texas. He gets the boot. And, you know, these programs, especially the ones with a lot of money that can spend for buyouts, they're getting a little bit too much trigger happy, okay? Uh, that's not how you win. That's not – it's not it's, – it's first of all, it's not a good look, okay, that Texas is spending all this money in COVID year when, you know, people said they don't have money to spend, right? Um, that's number one. Number two, uh, their AD came out and said that Herman, he was fine. He had nothing to worry about just a couple weeks ago, but here we are January 4th and uh, he's been replaced, you know? So I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think they named the head coach the same day that he got fired. So go figure. But um, that's part of the problem in college football is teams, I'm sorry, programs, universities, schools, not giving enough time to these coaches for them to do their thing. And I believe that's part of, not the biggest reason, uh, but one of the bigger reasons as to why we see so many transfers. Because, uh, excuse me, um, you know, these, these, these signees, they don't sign with schools or universities how they're supposed to. You're supposed to do what's best for you, fall in love with a program, you know, uh, and get an education. And you're not supposed to follow coaches, but you know, that's, you know, everybody's human and that's what happens. But um, Texas, man, and it's not just Texas. All right. It's everybody that gives their coaches three and four years. No, 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 no. You got to give a coach at least five. Okay. I, and I really mean that. I, I really feel you need to give a coach, maybe even six. And in some programs like say Duke, you need to give a coach seven or eight years. I'm so serious because you're Duke, <laughs> uh, you're Wake Forest, you're, you're, you're Vanderbilt, so on and so forth. So I, I, I have an issue with that. And, you know, it's probably not going to change anytime soon or ever, but um, let's move on. Let's talk about the Heisman because uh, that's going to be tomorrow. Heisman's presentation is tomorrow. And so uh, the four finalists are Mac Jones, quarterback of Alabama. You got Devonta Smith, receiver from Alabama. You figure that they're going to take away votes from each other. Uh, Sunshine over at Clemson, better known as Trevor Lawrence. Yes, Sunshine, better known as Trevor Lawrence, not the other way around. And then you have Kyle Trask. You want to know what made me laugh about Kyle Trask? I read an article that said that, uh, I think, where is it? Is it right here? Oh, God, where's that article? I had it pulled up and it made me laugh. Uh, this is not it, but the article, actually, this is it. I'm not going to read the entire part, uh, I'm sorry, the entire article, but get this. The article said that Trask's numbers were on par with the record-setting campaign that 2019 Heisman winner Joe Burrow put together. Pause. Excuse me? Excuse me, Zach Pacale of uh, NCAA.com, who wrote that article on uh, December 24th, 2020. Are you out of your mind, Mr. Pacale? I apologize if you are, if I'm mispronouncing your last name there. But uh, Kyle Trask, ladies and gentlemen, has thrown four, okay, uh, 4,125 yards and 43 touchdowns in his first full season as a starter. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Joe Burrow's Heisman winning stats of last season. 60 touchdowns, 6-0, not 16, 60 passing touchdowns, okay? Six interceptions, 
5,671 yards with a completion percentage of 76.3. How is that comparable to Kyle Trask, who's a very good quarterback? Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to downgrade his performance here because it was a damn good year for him. But how are you going to say that those numbers are on par with what I just read to you? I mean, <laughs> crying out loud, I, I don't know. I thought that was pretty interesting, and it made me, you know, it, it concerned me a little bit. But in any event, he is one of the finalists. Devonta Smith, Alabama wide receiver, um, can be only the second wide receiver in, in, in Heisman history to win the, uh, the trophy. All right, he has, let me see here, where is it? He led the FBS with 98 receptions, that's crazy. And uh, receiving yards, 1,511. He hauled in 17 touchdowns in 11 games. Uh, by comparison, Desmond Howard, who won the Heisman Trophy way back when in the early 90s with Michigan, scored 21 total touchdowns. Uh, Smith has 19, and um, we'll see how that goes. So Mac Jones, his quarterback, let me see here. Mac Jones had a really, really nice year. The redshirt junior passed for 3,795 yards and 32 touchdowns with just four interceptions, all in 11 games. He was also tops in FBS completion percentage uh, with 76.5. Led Alabama to, you know, their SEC title as always and a place in the college football playoff berth. Sunshine, better known as Trevor Lawrence. Uh this is the guy that a lot of people are saying are going to go number one in the uh, NFL draft. And I say, after seeing, after seeing Justin Fields did what he did, do what he did, I'm sorry, um, a couple nights ago, I don't know. I'm kind of scratching my head about that one because, uh, I mean, anybody that saw that game would know why. He threw for six touchdowns that night. But in any event, uh, Trevor Lawrence has only lost two games in his college career. We'll know, who knows if he's going to come back. Uh, for his senior season, but the true junior threw for 2,753 yards. Remember, he missed a game or two because of COVID and uh, 22 passing touchdowns. But um, I, I feel he's the best quarterback in the land. I really think that uh, he, he's one of the best pure passers I've seen in a really, really long time and probably the best quarterback prospect to come out since, I don't know, maybe Andrew Luck. We'll see. But um, running out of time here, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back. I'm going to go ahead and have a pretty cool guest the following seven. We're going to keep it college football related. Um, I really hope you enjoy him. Uh, nice Twitter follow. And his name is Chris. Oh, my God. Chris. I'm sorry. Chris Ellison. We're going to have Chris Ellison up next. And um, just stick around. You're listening to the Michael McCoy Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. You're listening to The Michael McCoy Show, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. I couldn't speak or walk. This is high blood pressure. Get back on your plan. Go to loweryourhbp.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. Just the two of us. We can make it if we try. Just the two of us. 
You and I. Well, you, have to, you forgot the... Oh, the two of us, we're building castles in the sky, just the two of us. Go. You and I. There you go. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. I get it. Your desk has been there for you, holding up your computer, your unused stapler, and that plant you forgot to water. But maybe it's time to leave your desk and spend your lunch break volunteering with Meals on Wheels. Doing Meals on Wheels for me is the joy that I look for at the end of my week. I'll come to the door with one meal and I'll walk away with a full heart. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, guys, we're back from another break. Thank you very much for sticking around with me throughout that last break. You're listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. We're going to continue the college football talk with a special guest of mine, and I'm really appreciative to have Chris Ellison. And if you don't follow him on Twitter yet, you probably should have some good uh college football opinions especially uh, on the hurricanes he is a hurricanes fan but chris man thank you very much for coming on the show happy new year how you been doing all right man thanks for having me happy new year to you as well it's a beautiful day here in massachusetts awesome man i can say the same here in miami nice winter still kind of waiting for it to get cold i love the cold weather I'm one of those miamians that like the cold so we had a little bit of snow here today so oh yeah yeah cool Chris, man, let's talk about some some college football. We're obviously going to get into the Canes in a little uh, a little bit, but um, there's a lot to cover. There's a lot to cover lately. The Michael McCoy show hasn't been on air since like mid December, so a lot of things uh, to kind of bundle up together. I figure we start with college football as a whole, and um, let let's go back to the CFP rankings, the the final CFP rankings that were unveiled. Um, you know, after championship games were played, after conference championship games were played, I should say. And I wanted to ask you about those because there was a lot of, uh, obviously every year, you know, people disagreeing and on who should be the top four, who was left out. Cincinnati has something to say about it. And then felt they should have been in it. They weren't. But probably the biggest storyline coming out of the final rankings was the fact that Notre Dame was still in it, even though they got blown out late. Every college football fan knows that if you're going to lose, the best time to lose is early. But they lost to, granted, a top four team, but they got blown out. How did you feel about them still being in the final four? Do you feel they deserve to be in it? Give me your thoughts on that. So I have a lot to say about how the the rankings are are being put out these last few years, um, in particular this year. Uh, so I'll try and keep it short. Okay. Uh, I mean, in the end, I do think that the final four teams, when you look at the the broad scope of, of, of the picture, the broad paint there, is that they got the right four teams in there. Okay. Um, but there are arguments. I do think Texas A&M deserved to be in there. I do think Cincinnati also deserved to be in there. Right. But this is, to me, I've been a huge advocate for expanding the playoffs. Um, you know, I, I played college ball at the NAIA level. Okay. Every division does a – 16 team playoff or some kind of format of that matter where every conference champion gets in with yep. some at large bids. I don't understand why uh, the FBS just can't do that or even move it to eight. Um, yes, I understand that your final four teams would probably dominate some of the other seeded teams in there, but those teams deserve a shot. I mean, we saw Cincinnati, they, they blew it late. Um, but 
they showed they could play with an SEC school. Right. And, um, you know, I, I think they deserve a shot. You know, Texas A&M, Jimbo said it himself that, you know, whenever there's been a, um, you know, a two loss or one loss uh, team that didn't play for the SEC championship, they still found a way to get in the playoffs. Exactly. Um, they did it with, they've done it with Bama. Um, I think that they he was right on spot on with that. And I think he okay. deserved a shot there. Um, and they won the Orange Bowl last night, um, kind of solidifying that stance. And right. even Mac Brown. You know, he's been around for a while. He did the the BCS. He's done. He's been in this this era too. And he even said expand it. Um, that's that's my stance on it. Just expand the playoffs. It's a little frustrating that those two teams in particular, like Cincinnati, got hosed. Yeah. On a bye week. <laughs> I mean, like that's you know, they get dropped on a bye week for a game that got canceled on them. Yeah. But no other team did. That that it definitely can use some tweaking. I mean, they kind of they being, I guess, the NCAA or college football, whoever is in charge of making these decisions, um, they kind of listened to the outcry when people were so frustrated with the BCS. Even though the BCS did get it right, sometimes there's sometimes they were they were you know they were kind of way off, and so we everybody was uh, clamoring for a playoff. We got the playoff. It's mm-hmm. four teams, better than nothing. But uh, I I agree with you. I do think it it can deserve uh, an expansion and at the very least every conference champion. And then you have those fringe teams that, Oh, can you make it here? You know, whatever, give them in that large bit. You could even have teams, maybe the top two, I don't know, have bye weeks. And so mm-hmm. um, I guess the argument would be, well, they don't want such a long football season. You know, these guys, they're, they're amateurs, quote unquote, air quotes, amateurs. And so, um, <laughs> so, you know, they're worried about their bodies, but at the same time you have other people saying, well, they got to get ready for the pros at some point. My thing is the NCAA cares so much about money. I mean, exactly. this is a perfect way to make more of it. Well, and see, here's my thing. You know, the NCAA and the, uh, the college football playoffs committee had an actual real opportunity to kind of guinea pig an expansion of the playoffs with this COVID year. They already moved like, so we already have the issue with teams playing non-conference cupcake games. Right. And, you know, the concern has been, you know, longer seasons with the playoffs. Well, go to specific, go to conference only. No, 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 no non-conference games, play those games out. And then you have the playoffs for those additional games. And then the bowl companies that the companies that sponsor the bowl games could sponsor a round or a game. Yeah. They wouldn't have a specific host site, Mm-hmm. but they could sponsor that game, um, you, you know, and I, I think that there are ways to do it to still make money and to keep players inter- uh, interested in playing because now what you're seeing is a lot of opt-outs because they're, they don't have a reason to play for anything anymore because these bowl games are starting to become meaningless. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't want to say – I say that, but, you know, know exactly they still are meaningful, but, yeah. you know, these top-tier players are starting to say, well, I'm not playing for national titles, so what's the point? Yeah, no, you I know, and, and go ahead, go ahead. Hurts the pro- it hurts the product. That's all. That's that's where I was going to lead to. No, it absolutely, and I'm I'm with you. You know what? You segued perfectly into the next thing that I wanted to talk about. You know, I was going to ask you, how do you fix it? We kind of talked about that, uh, discussing expansion. And by the way, you're listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio here with Chris Ellison, and we're just chopping it up, talking about how to fix the college football playoff rankings or system, however you want to call it, and. So that's where we are if you're just now joining us. And so player opt-outs is another thing I wanted to talk about. It's, uh, listen, it's it's touchy, but when I say that I'm not a fan of it, it's not me saying, oh, these players are this, these players are that. 
it, I'm not doing that at all. I've never been in their positions. I'm not trying to tell them how to live their life, whatever you know, family situation they got going on. They're doing what's best for them. I get it. But you just said it perfectly. You took the words out of their mouth. It hurts the product so much. And so, I mean, how do we fix that? I mean, I, I guess, you know, expanding it or I don't know. Look, players are going to start getting paid now um, in the upcoming season, if I'm not mistaken. I think that kicks in certain like, states. Uh, yeah, like Florida. Florida definitely kicks in this year. Florida, right. So maybe that's a thing. Maybe make it across the board. I don't know. But I mean, how do you feel about, you know, so we saw UNC was decimated by the two running backs that just killed Miami in the last uh, regular season game for the Canes. Florida had a bunch of guys opting out. Uh, Kyle Trask basically was trying to complete passes to himself. Um, how do you feel about it as a fan? Well, I'm like you. I it's it's upsetting because you want to see these guys, you know, with these teams go at each other. You know, it's those ideal matchups that you love to see that aren't traditional matchups every year. Right. But you know, we talked about the NCAA and their refusal to make the FBS ex have it expand because it's about the money, yeah. you know, these players are making business decisions right, and, right. and, you know, whether we agree with it or not, they're making those business decisions because they know if they get hurt in this game, this game, that doesn't mean anything anymore to them that they could hurt their draft stock. I mean, we're both hurricanes fans. We are really excited to see Derek King come back. Yeah. Derek King tears his ACL in the, in the first half of, of the game against Oklahoma state. It was, it was really upsetting. Miami can't have nice things apparently, but it, it scared the crap out of that receiver from Oklahoma state. Who just said, I'm done. I mean, he, he decided to play. He saw somebody who was a highly touted, you know, player. And he said, no, I'm, I'm done playing. And, um, you know, again, players are that certain States are allowing players to get paid now with their image and likeness. Um, and I think that's a good step forward, but, it's a business decision at the end of the day. Yeah, and, you know, these, these big schools are doing that by not paying these kids and taking all this money up. So they're going to just say, you know what, I'm looking out for the best interest of myself. And you know what, it's, it's kudos to them and kind of, uh, this is what you get NCAA because the NCAA sucks the life or sucks the money out of these players mm -hmm. as much as they can. And then, you know, it's like, the players have nowhere to go. So it's kind of like a situation where we saw a former hurricane, and uh, transferred to Colorado State. He's going into his like sixth, seventh season in college 20th football. 20th season. <laughs> <laughs> we all know what we're talking about Matt Patchen, but you want to know what? Um, he is taking advantage of the NCAA because the NCAA takes advantage of so many of these athletes. He's saying, you know what? No COVID. I get to, I'm sorry, COVID year. I get to um, have another year. I'm going to come back. I'm going to go ahead and get my master's because that's exactly mm -hmm. what he's doing. And so I don't blame him at all. Get another year of film under his belt, had a decent season. I think he had like four and a half, maybe five sacks. So the players, like, like you're saying, they need to do what's best for themselves. And I get that. It's just, I wish there was another way to go about it, man. <laughs> Definitely. And I mean, they're being more accommodating too with the, the transfer portal, not just with this yeah. COVID year, but you know, it's still, it's, it's not enough. I mean, no. you know, they got to, with all the money they make, you would think that they could, you know, instill some insurance for all the players, yeah. Um, you know, things of that nature um, and just put more investment in them aside from just facilities and, yes. and swag. I mean, these guys aren't allowed to make their money. They can't go to like, I was able to work at the NAI level, but at the division one level, yeah. if my grandmother wanted to pay for a friend of mine's dinner, that's a violation. That's crazy. <laughs> you that's know, insane. so it's, it's, it's just wild, you know, it's insane.
Um, we're going to move on. We're going to go ahead and talk about the situation that surfaced today. Tom Herman, a coach that University of the University of Texas was super excited to have. They let him go. They let him go after four seasons. Uh, I believe 32 and 18 record, uh, one and three against Oklahoma. Uh, let me tell you just uh, up front, I'm not a fan of it. And I think this is part of the problem with players transferring so much because we all know as a recruit, you sign with coaches. You don't sign with schools, how it's been told you should. People, players sign with coaches. So um, I believe that so much coach movement has a, it's not the only, it's not the biggest, but I believe it is a big reason as to why we see so many players transferring, number one. Number two, you can't, as a program, you can't have so many uh, coaches that are in and out in a four and five year span. I'm sorry. I'm not a fan of that. I think that's a huge problem. I think that's a big mistake. And how do you even build when you have a clock on someone saying, all right, you got four years. I, 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 I'm not a fan of it. Jim Harbaugh um, just got an extension and he's been doing the opposite of Tom Herman. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, not winning. He's winless against Ohio State. So, I mean, how, how do you feel about that? You know, Tom Herman situation and my opinion about the whole about the whole thing. Well, so first of all, um, the optic, uh, the optics of it all, it just doesn't look good. No. Um, you, you have, you, you have this, the situation where they lose to Iowa state and there's concerns on, you know, there's concerns and rumors about Tom Herman's future at, at Texas. Right. And then they finish out in the high note yeah. prior to the signing day, the AD says Herman's our guy. He's here. And then, you know, a couple weeks go by, they're doing their evaluations. They win a bowl game and they fire him. But not only did they just fire him, they hired a new coach for the same day. So it just tells you that within those weeks of the, of the AD saying, Herman's our guy, they conducted interviews to find their guy and then fire Herman on the same, it just doesn't look, didn't look good. Um, especially when you're, you're saying that, making that statement about Herman being your guy because you don't want to lose your class. This is why I'm appreciative of the NCAA being lenient. Now, we do live in an era of instant gratification and I am with you about um, giving coaches time to build a program um, where I would say in certain situations like Herman and even I'll go back to Al Golden. Al Golden was a really good, you know, coach from the standpoint of getting kids in the building, but they just yeah. never, the, the, the program just stayed still. Yeah. Yeah. And he even said himself, I give me five years to get this program where it needs to be. Mm -hmm. And in those three to four years, it, it never went anywhere. Yeah. And it, it just gets frustrating. Um, and I kind of feel the same way with Herman where like, yeah, he's winning some big games. He's getting some really good recruiting classes, but the program really isn't taking that next step. Or when they do take that next step with a big win, they follow it up with some really bad losses. Yeah. Um, but I, I am, I am with you on the side that coaches need time. Um, but they also need to be more flexible when they and making changes, which is where we are with Manny right now on the Miami side. <laughs> and I was so glad you brought that up because I wanted to get your opinion on that. And so uh, we got the news earlier today. Band is headed to Utah State, going to be the defensive coordinator. Not exactly. I know he's taking Tyler Van Dyke with them, which really burns Miami on the recruiting end. Uh, I'm sorry, not Tyler Van Dyke, Demarcus Van Dyke. Uh, one of Miami's better recruiters. So he's gone. So there's is a that couple. Official? Uh, I think, I mean, I saw a couple of the rumors tweeted. it. Well, we'll, we'll leave that as a pending thing. I, I thought it was confirmed, but you're right. Maybe, maybe not. So I'm trying to see right now if maybe so, but, um, in any event, 
there's some positions or maybe multiple positions. I know Benda is taking, I think, uh, uh, one of the off-field coaches at UM. Mm-hmm. I forgot what his name was, but um, you know, Manny's got some changes or has to fill in at least one spot defensively. How are you in that sense, in terms of where the program is under Manny? Uh, finished, you know, not on the highest of notes, but eight and three, a difference of two games from six and seven last season. Where are you at with that? So I, I get that Manny has been here years prior to being the head coach as a defensive coordinator. Um, but something he stressed a lot in his first year was building a culture. Yes. And, and you know, coming in and establishing that culture that he had on the defensive side of the ball, he's bringing it to both sides of the ball now. Um, I, I'm one of the, the – I don't want to say the few, but I'm one who's still a little optimistic that he can right the ship. Um, he, he's already shown that he's not married to making, you know, changes or to keeping staff on if they're not fulfilling, you know, his, his expectations. Right. I under, I understand that he's really buddy, buddy with the defensive side of the, of the ball. So, you know, Banda leaving kind of helps push some things for him to, to make those changes. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's a great move for, for Banda. I wish him the best. Uh, you know, we all have our issues with our secondary and their development and whatnot, but I do wish him the best. Uh, you know, if Manny doesn't, so for me, I am, I am somebody who wants Blake Baker to be gone. Um, (laughs) Rumor has it and words out, word out there is that he may demote Blake and have somebody else come in and call plays, um, and kind of play with the staff that way. If that's the case, so be it, you see how it is. And if it's not, maybe you can make changes mid season. Um, but if he doesn't make any significant changes, you know, then I'm going to be on the, on the side of you're on the hot seat because, You know, my issue with Blake is he doesn't have it doesn't seem he has any feel for the game um, and that, you know, he's he's making the same defensive play calls, yeah. even if they're not working. Yeah. Um, and when Manny takes over the sticks and as they say, and he's making those calls and they're more aggressive and they're putting you punching in the mouth, that defense is is a lot better, better looking. They get off the field. They do get some turnovers. Um, so I'm still a believer in Manny. I think he can do it. Uh you know, get the, he got, he got a top 10 recruiting class and he's exactly. not done. He's not done building it. Exactly. And he's, he's just, he, he, in the two years as a head coach, he went from six and seven to eight and three. If you look at the big picture, he inherited a top, uh, a, a 26 recruiting class or whatever, and then got the 18th recruiting class and now has a top 10 recruiting class. Mm-hmm. So the arrow in those areas are still pointing up. Now he needs to really put the product on the field and yep. make it consistent. Yeah. You took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, I, trust Manny blindly like I believe in his idea his vision and everything that you just alluded to but the one thing I can say also is that I can flip that switch very easy if he Mm -hmm. doesn't do what's best for the program and um, right now what he's saying is best I have to take as truth because he knows more than I do but I'm not blind either okay we we, we see you know the, the deficiencies of Blake and so on and so forth I just don't want him to pull an Al Golden, you know, follow I agree. for your buddy or, or a Mark Rick or Mark Rick, know? because he had his son, you know, as a quarterback coach, but that would be the worst thing. And I would be really disappointed if that was the case. And I have defended Manny through and through, but I can't defend that. And I see, going quickly, going back to the Herman situation. Um, one of the things that I, I will say that I appreciate from Manny is he it's, it's, it's the words he's using when he's being asked about the staff. It's we're going to evaluate. Mm-hmm. You know, the AD stepped in and said, Herman's our guy, and then made a change later on. 
They didn't say, you know, nothing about evaluating. We're going to look at the staff and then we'll decide on, on the changes down the road. You know, that it, it makes Manny look a little bit better when changes do come. Yeah. Um, or if changes don't come, you know, it'll make him look better or worse, but he's not coming out and saying he's committed to keeping it one guy and then, you know, whatever. It's just those optics and those words that you're using there. Very but true. I'm with you. I could flip on him on a dime. If Blake Baker's still calling plays in, in, in Atlanta next year, I'm going to have a lot of issues. I mean, he's betting on himself. He, this is if if things don't go the way that they should and how we want them to, uh, he put himself on the hot seat. Yeah, he put himself on the hot seat yep. without making that change. But we'll see. Only time will tell. There's a lot of time between now and Labor Day, and you know we got another signing day to go, and uh, hopefully another not another but a full spring practice, summer workouts, and hopefully COVID, you know, starts dying down. I don't know, but again, only time will tell. But Chris, man. I really appreciate your time here on the Michael McCoy show. And it definitely won't be the last time. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. Thank you for the opportunity, Mike. I really appreciate it. No Happy problem. New Year, everybody. Yes, yes. Happy New Year. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we will be right back after this break. Just uh, stick around. You're listening to the Michael McCoy show on Sirius XM channel 145 Slam Radio. You're listening to the Michael McCoy show only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Why was the basketball court all wet? Because the players kept dribbling on it. <laughs> the dad joke. Corny, groan-worthy, but also one of the simplest ways to share a moment with your kids. What did the buffalo say when he dropped his son off for school? Bye, son. <laughs> so take a moment to make your kid laugh, because dad jokes rule. Make your kid laugh today. Go to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. So that Never one makes a little more sense. Backwards, not even to get... How do you even, like... Well, hold on. That might be actually difficult to... Para atrás ni para coger impulso. Don't even go back a step, to, even if it's just to go forward. It seems Always like it's a long forward. explanation. Yeah, it's hard it to... It seems like you have to write... It sounds like two, 250 words. Explain this sentence. That phrase needs an instruction manual. <laughs> Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. And now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for sticking around with me throughout that last break. You've been listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. And let me tell you, there's there's really nothing better uh in terms of having a, a sports conversation with someone um, that actually knows what they're talking about. Thank you very much for joining me, Chris. That's awesome. I mean, we've all been there. We've all had that conversation where you look at like the floor because the person that you're trying to have <laughs> a conversation with is just not with it. And um, I, I just like talking to people that can, that I can learn from actually. I, I think that's awesome. And not just sports, but anything in life, but this is a sports show. So I'm using sports in exam as an example. So again, Chris Ellison in that last segment, really appreciate you, man. Won't be the last time. 
Um, we're going to keep it football related here. And we're going to talk about, I mean, I have to talk about my Hurricanes, my Miami Hurricanes, who uh, in second in the second year of Coach Manny Diaz, who I'm very, very proud of having uh, the privilege of calling, you know, my head coach. I, I love Manny Diaz. I really do. And I really think that um, people need to pump their brakes on what they say about him or how they view him or the things that they think he's doing or not doing. I, I, nobody knows anything, guys. People just need to shut the hell up, relax, take it easy. Okay, but I'm talking about Miami sports fans. That that's it's like an oxymoron. It doesn't happen for the most part. I mean, most Miami sports fans, they just they especially Miami Hurricanes fans, it, it's not with it. They want that instant gratification and it's just not it. I just talked about you know, Texas a couple of segments ago and how, you know, they want it now and it's just that's not the case. It doesn't happen that way. So, um I'm a big fan of Manny Diaz. Okay. And um, I'm not blind either. I, I I see the deficiencies of the team. I mean, they're clear as day for you to see, but uh, I don't knee jerk. And I think that's part of the reason why I'm even keel when it comes to evaluating things with, with this football team. All right. And uh, changes definitely need to be made. No doubt about that. Okay, but for crying out loud, guys, uh, I mean, do you have short memory or what? Uh, Coach Diaz has done everything that he has supposed to that, that he was supposed to do up to now. Okay, we don't know what's going on in the in the background in terms of uh, staff changes that need to be made, not that may need to happen. No, they need to be made. And he knows it. He knows it because the brand of, of defense that Miami's been fielding the past two seasons is just not it. It's not it. It's not it. Ever since Coach Rick left, the defenses have not been uh, Miami caliber. Even though we can argue last season, you make a good argument. I mean, last season's defense was what, top 15, top 20? But even still, it, it, it's not Miami style of defense. So um, I said all that to say what? Miami goes into – their bowl game, the Cheez-It Bowl. Jesus Christ, the Cheez-It Bowl, okay? And so uh, they lose 34 to 37 after going down 21 to nothing in the first quarter. Guys, I'm sorry the defense didn't lose that game. That's right, I said it. I, I, I really don't feel I, – I, I put a Twitter poll up, okay? Uh, what was more costly in Miami's bowl loss? on last Tuesday, giving up 21 points in the first quarter and going down 21 to nothing or dropping 14 points when you lose by three. I felt it was the latter. That Twitter poll came back 46% to 54% in favor of trailing 21 to nothing uh, early in the first quarter. And listen, I get it. Anytime you go down 21 to nothing, I mean, it's it's kind of an insurmountable thing to, to come back from, you know, but Miami did come back. Miami came back and they lost by three points, all right? They had no business even coming back to lose that game by three points, none at all. But when you, I mean, 
they also allowed, okay, a quarterback that threw for 10 touchdowns the entire season to throw for four touchdowns, okay? Uh, in the same breath, they held Oklahoma State's rushing attack to 81 yards uh, below season below their season average. I get it. Chuba Howard didn't play. He opted out a long time ago to go to the NFL. I get it. But, hey, that's not my problem. They held Oklahoma State's uh, rushing offense 81 yards below their season average, okay? Um, you can't drop 14 points. I don't care how good. I don't care what the situation. You cannot drop 14 points in a bowl game. All right. And I'm talking, everybody saw the game. Mark Pope, D Wiggins, love those guys, but wow, man. Wow, man. You, 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 that the loss is on them. I don't care. I, I listen. I'm not talking crap about these guys. I'm stating facts. I'm not calling them garbage. I'm not calling them out of anything. They struggle. They struggled. And I don't know how, how much longer this is going to continue, but a Miami wide receiver is not supposed to do that, especially in a big time game. And this is a big time game because it was supposed to be Miami's first bowl win since 2016, which was year one of Mark Richt. And when you lose it by three points, when you, dropped 14 points because of two big time 100% you know scores that would have taken places on that it look at the very least you get six points because you don't you know you don't convert on a touchdown and you get six points from automatic Jose Borregales who is an all-american by the way congratulations he and Jalen Phillips were named all-americans uh last week by the way, Jalen Phillips was named an All-American, but he was second team All-ACC. Tell me how that works out. Please tell me. Let's do the math on that one and tell me how, how that works out. Mr. Uh, ACC, whoever the hell, you know, makes these votes. I, I don't understand that one. But, um, yeah, man, that just – at worst, you get six points and you win by three. But those two drops right there, mm-mm-mm, inexcusable inexcusable and it comes this is you know i I, i'm 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 coming i'm coming around full circle and i'm circling back to the whole manny diaz thing because uh not only do changes need to be made on the staff but they need to be made on the field as well and i defend manny a lot i love that guy I really do. I mean, he he was a fan first. That's exactly what he was. He was a fan first. He talks about all the time how he used to go to the Orange Bowl and watch games with his father, blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool. And uh, by the way, this is not a Manny Diaz bashing segment because we don't do that on this show. Never have. I don't do it on my Twitter account. I just don't do that. By the way, listening to the Michael McCoy show here on Sirius XM channel 145 Slam Radio. But if Manny Diaz is not, will not, and cannot make the necessary changes for the Miami Hurricanes football program to to be where it needs to be on a national landscape year in and year out. I've said it once, and I'll say it again. No man, no student athlete, no coach, no administrator, is above the you. And if he's choosing personal relationships, 
ahead of what is best for the team, then I, I can't defend that no more. I can't defend it anymore. Mark Rick did it, uh, you know, with his son who was a quarterback's coach. He took a lot of heat, unwarranted. Not, I'm not going to say unwarranted, uh, because anybody that knows that quarterback situation, it went beyond the quarterback coach. It really did go beyond the quarterback coach. Okay. Um, how much uh, John Rick was to blame for what was going on, I don't know. Sure, he gets some blame because he's coaching the quarterbacks, but I don't have enough time to get into it here. Uh, there was an episode uh, with the Orange Bowl boys, an awesome podcast. Anybody's listening to it who's a Hurricanes fan, I'm sorry, anybody who's listening to this who's a Hurricanes fan knows exactly the podcast that I'm talking about. Uh, go and listen to that Malik Rozier episode. Go and listen to it, okay? And and, and you'll see that uh, the struggles with the quarterback situation and the quarterback play and the flip-flopping, the back and forth, had way more to do than just with John Ricks, all right? Again, I'm not defending it, but uh, it was more than just one guy. It always is. It always is more than just a player. It always is more than just a coach. Um, had uh, Brian Monroe on on the last show of 2020 a couple weeks ago, and he even said, you know what, Mike, towards the beginning of the season, I was blaming the players more than I was blaming the coaches. OK, and uh, he switched his outlook. He is now saying that it's not, it's not even 50 50. OK, he's blaming the coaches way more flat out blaming the coaches for Miami's, uh, you know, the way Miami Hurricanes football has been looking uh, the past couple of years in the Diaz era, you know, to be more specific then he is blaming the players all right now you can't you can't blame coaches for wide open drops and i don't think brian is doing that but uh you know schematically there's a lot of things that could change especially on the defensive side of the ball all right and um this is look this is me not having any inside sources or anything like that because i just call it how i see it yes i can make a phone call if i wanted to to find out some stuff sure i could but I don't because that's just not my thing. I, I like to see what these quote unquote insiders have to say. Combine that with what I see and make my own evaluation. That's how I do things. And that's why I'm grateful for this platform because I get to call it how I see it. So this is how I see it. And you could disagree with it, but this is, this is my thing with Manny Diaz and the whole Blake Baker situation. Okay. A lot of people say this is Manny's defense. I don't I don't think we're seeing a Manny Diaz defense. Why? Because we see, we know what a Manny Diaz defense looks like. It's aggressive, it's fast, it's violent, it plays behind the line of scrimmage, and it doesn't resemble at all a Mark D'Onofrio soft zone. That's not Manny Diaz defense. It's not Hurricanes football. He knows it. We know it. The players know it. Hell, Blake Baker knows it, right? Okay, well... A lot of people are saying, well, Mike, if he's allowing it, it's his defense. I don't see it that way at all. Yeah, he's allowing it, but he's not allowing his defense to be played. Blake Baker is his protege, right? Okay. He wants Blake Baker to succeed, right? Right. He's letting Blake Baker call his defense and hoping that God damn it, dude, you got to wake up. I mean, this has to get better. This has to get better. And this has to get better. So make it better. Okay. Manny wants to be a CEO. Okay. He doesn't want to be 
super duper involved on everything. He wants to oversee the operation, how a CEO does, okay? The thing is, is that a good CEO makes changes when they're needed and inserts himself or herself whenever needed. We saw that last year, going back to Virginia Tech, okay? That game that Virginia Tech went up 21 to nothing in the first quarter, much like the Oklahoma State uh, Cowboys did last Tuesday. They went up 21 to nothing. By the way, that, that Virginia Tech loss, that was on the offense too. Yeah, the defense gave up 21 first quarter points, but uh, I forgot his name already. Jaron Williams threw three first quarter touchdowns. Enter Nikosi Perry, and it's a crazy, crazy comeback that fell just short, okay? Um, offense lost that game too. Um, and I hate to say offense because it was really just one guy. It was, it was, it was, it was Jaron. Just like uh, I can't say the offense lost the game for Miami because I mean Miami ran for Miami ran for they ran for 156 yards on Tuesday. They threw for 356. You know they 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 as a team. Uh, I'm sorry. Wait a minute. Yeah, Miami, Miami threw for 356, ran for 156. So, I mean, crying out loud, man, uh, they outgained Oklahoma, the Oklahoma State Cowboys yardage-wise in the game. So, when I say offense, I, I hate to do that. It was really two individuals, okay? It was it was Mark Pulpin, it was Mark Pulpin D. Wiggins, and I hate to do that. But, again, I'm not saying anything but the truth. I'm not calling these guys out. I'm not calling them names. I'm not calling them this. I'm not calling them that. In my opinion, they lost Miami the game. But going back to what I was saying, circling back, um, I believe that's what Coach Diaz is trying to do. We saw last year what happened after that Virginia Tech loss. He inserted himself, and I'm not uh, manifesting this. I'm not making this up. It was. It's. You can go ahead and look it up. You can Google it. It's common knowledge. Everybody knows that he came out and he said, yeah, you know, I had my hands in the defense going into the Virginia game, which uh, was the very next week uh, after the Virginia Tech loss. That defense looked night and day, night and day. Virginia comes into Miami Gardens, actually called that game for WVUM. And uh, that was Manny Diaz's first win versus a ranked opponent as a head coach ever. Okay. Virginia came in ranked number 20. Miami wins that game. The defense looked 100 1000% different uh, co did a complete 180 in that week in which he inserted himself okay players didn't look lost coverages were not busted okay they looked great in the goal line and they were living in the backfield they were living in the backfield all right um that's a Manny Diaz defense this is what we're seeing right now I believe Manny's trying to let Baker grow and and do things Baker's way but CEO Manny Diaz cannot allow that to happen anymore. He simply cannot. He can't. And I, I can't defend him anymore if he doesn't make the proper. And, and it hurts me to say that because I believe that he could bring Miami back to national prominence. Okay. I believe that he could bring Miami back and win championship number six. I really do. He's recruiting his ass off. Okay. Uh, he's he's shown that he has he's willing to make changes because he's done it ever since he's been here, whether it be personnel uh, on the field or, uh, you know, we needed a quarterback. We brought what's his name from Ohio State. Can't, I can't remember his name right now. 
but you know who I'm talking about. At the time, that was the move to make. Yes, he never got on the field. I get it. Okay, fine. But we needed a quarterback. We grabbed a five-star quarterback. For crying out loud, we grabbed a five-star quarterback that Urban Meyer recruited. I mean, if you're okay with Urban Meyer, well, you know, you should be good enough for Miami. All right? He does that. Need an offensive coordinator? We do that. We needed a, a, a quarterback, uh, an offensive coordinator that had a great relationship with quarterbacks. We go out and grab a guy that was at Alabama who helped uh, Jalen Hurts turn things around, okay? At the end of the day, I don't know what the hell um, – happened last year in terms of the offensive play calling i mean we were promised one thing we got something completely different but uh he did the right thing he got what miami needed at the time and so same thing you know this year this past offseason that's it that that offensive coordinator didn't work we get a new one in red lastly so hopefully friendships uh, and i'm going back to what i said at the beginning of the segment don't stand in the way because He's going to pull an Al Golden. He's going to pull a Mark Richt. And it's not going to end well. It's not going to end well. And I, Manny, don't do it. Don't do it. Either start calling the defense or bring a different guy into calling the defense. Okay. I wrote an article for State of the U earlier in the week and how I feel that Jim Levitt would be an ideal fit because you bring in Jim Levitt, maybe uh, Kevin Patrick comes and he runs the defensive line. Who knows? Okay. But, I mean, there's more names than just Jim Levitt. I just like Jim Levitt because he's he has pro experience. He was a linebacker's coach for the 49ers from 2011 to 2014, the entire Jim Harbaugh era. And the Niners had the best linebacking core in football for all of those years. Okay. What does Miami need help with? Linebacker play. I think it's a, it's a match made in heaven. But um, that's just me, you know, dreaming. We'll see, man. Uh, a lot has to happen and i have a feeling that we're not going to see anything until after the national championship after nash excuse me after the national championship game is played but we'll see man um that's my soapbox that's my miami hurricane soapbox and i will move on to the next segment so um just keep it locked here ladies and gentlemen i appreciate you uh hearing me vent <laughs> about my hurricanes uh you're listening to the michael mccoy show Keep a lock. We'll be back on the other side listening to Slam Radio, channel 145, Sirius XM. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Michael McCoy Show, only on Sirius XM, 145, Slam Radio. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. I couldn't speak or walk. This is high blood pressure. Get back on your plan. Go to loweryourhbp.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. Hey, man, if, look, if they pick up Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo too, I'll, I'll be fine with him. But I'm just looking, I'm looking at the different angles. It doesn't. You I don't call know. him that, I call him Tunga Vailoa, whatever you want to call him. Listen, I don't know if they're 100% sold on Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa is the next quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. How can you get that name so perfect? Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo? Tua? I can't do it. I'm done. Tongo Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tongo Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tongo Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tongo Vailoa. See? That sounds much better that way. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. 
Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. And now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, guys, thanks for sticking around with me throughout that last break. You are still listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. We're going to keep it on the pigskin side of things, except we're going to switch it to the to the guys that get paid. We're not going to talk about amateurs and guys that don't get paid anymore, right? Yeah, well, um, pro football, NFL talk. So the NFL playoffs are here. They are here, and wow, man, there's a lot to get into in terms of that. We will, but you want to know before it crosses my mind, I'm sorry, before it uh, before it leaves my mind, I've been wondering about the coach of the year. I've been wondering about the coach of the year because three guys stand out to me more than others, and I honestly don't know what the, you know, what the list is, what the national list is, or what everybody's, or who everybody's talking about in terms of coach of the year candidates or what have you, but there's three guys that stick out to me. And the first one is Brian Flores. Obviously I live in Miami. I see what's going on. I'm not a Dolphins fan, but uh, I'm in Miami. And obviously I see what he's doing, get firsthand knowledge. And, you know, I see what he's doing firsthand and wow, man, he has those guys playing absolutely well. I mean, look, they got eliminated from the playoffs. I get it. They went up to Buffalo, laid an egg. They got they got embarrassed, 56-26. But that's a 10-win team. That's a 10-win team, guys. The, the, the Dolphins last year, and to be 100% honest with you, last year, if I'm not mistaken, they weren't supposed to win the five games that they won. Miami won, went 5-11 last season, year one under Brian Flores. And, uh, you know, they – I'm not going to say they went on a tear there, but the majority of those wins came, you know, in the second half of the season. And everybody uh, was talking about, you know, tank for Tua, this, that, and the third. And Brian Flores was adamant saying, that's not who we are. That's not how I'm coaching. I am not coaching to lose. This team's going to fight. This team's going to play how I wanted to play. And, you know, they, they squeezed out five wins. Awesome. You know, I didn't think that they were going to win five games last year, but they did. Fast forward a year later, COVID situation, obviously, and they win 10 games. I mean, I think that's absolutely impressive. I'm not going to sit here and say it's pretty much the same roster because the Dolphins, they went out and they spent money on the defense this past offseason. They really, really did. Obviously, we all know Tua, Togo Bailoa, and, you know, his selection in the draft. But I think the biggest change in this team, yes, the defense, but – it's a mentality, man. That 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 whole saying, you know, it starts at the top and a team is a reflection of its coach. That exactly is the case. That's exactly what the case is here for the Dolphins because they play tough. They play with a chip on their shoulder. And if you needed a visual of how, uh, how a team takes after its coach, go, go back to that Cincinnati game a couple of weeks ago when things got a little chippy, uh, at Miami Gardens, I'm sorry, at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami Gardens, and, you know, there were there was some some jawing and some you know physical stuff. Game had to be stopped because guys were were getting at it. 
Brian Flores comes running across the field out of off of his sideline to to do whatever he did, talk to whoever he was talking to. And I'm sorry, but if there was nobody around, if the cameras weren't around, he probably listen. He probably would have got more physical than what we saw. But uh, you know, that was the perfect example. His guys fight for each other. His guys really do fight for each other. And so I'm probably biased in the sense that I'm saying Brian Flores because, like I said, I live in Miami. I see a lot of Dolphins games. And even though I'm not a fan, uh, that's just what I'm exposed to more. But if you really, really look at it, if you really, really think about it, uh, my other candidate is probably more deserving. Uh, You know, the other candidate I'm about to bring up, and I'm talking about Kevin Stefanski, uh, head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. The Cleveland Browns are playoff bound, ladies and gentlemen. The Cleveland Browns, uh, this is their first 11 win season since 1994. 1994, their first playoff appearance since 2002. Guess who their head coach was then? Butch Davis. Yeah. Butch Davis, FIU's Butch Davis, UM's Butch Davis guy that said he wasn't leaving Miami, but ended up leaving Miami and yeah, whatever. Um, Their first playoff appearance since then, the Cleveland Browns won last season. They won, what was it like three games? Let me check. They were, they were, they were not good. The Cleveland Browns, actually they were six and 10 last year. They were six and 10. Uh, seemed like way less than that, but uh, I think it was a season before that it was just, disgustingly i mean it was embarrassing actually no the season before 2018 they were seven and eight so they've been not gonna say they've been okay but they haven't been one win two win seasons but uh they are 11 and excuse me i'm sorry the cleveland browns are 11 and five okay six and two at home seven and five in the conference and yesterday you know they beat the they beat the steelers granted uh Ben Roethlisberger didn't play. And if you look at the Browns schedule, uh, a lot of people were saying that it was, you know, may have been fool's gold, you know, uh, they really didn't beat anybody, so on and so forth. But I never played in the NFL, so I got to go by what other people say. In the NFL, a win is a win, okay? A win is a win, and it's hard to win in the NFL. So they have losses to the Ravens, the Steelers, the Raiders, uh, actually, the Ravens twice. They actually lost to the Jets. I, I say what you want. I mean, the Jets, they were really, really, really fighting hard for that one. Maybe the Browns probably overlooked it. I'm not sure who was available and who wasn't due to co- Actually, the Browns were missing a lot of receivers that game due to COVID. So that's kind of an excusable. I still think they should have won. There was no really – that's the game they should have won. I'm not going to sit here and say they had no excuse because they did have, like – I don't know, two, three, maybe four receivers not playing. But you look at their wins, and again, they beat the Steelers yesterday 24-22. to 22. Um, Ben Roethlisberger didn't play. They beat the Giants. They did beat the Titans. They beat the Jaguars. They beat the Eagles. They beat the Texans. Uh, the Bengals. Colts was a good win. They beat the Cowboys and the Redskins and the Bengals again. Not so impressed. So we'll see how they do. We'll see how they do. Uh, I'm, I'm rooting for them. You want to know what I was thinking about? It's it's kind of a shame that we are seeing Baker Mayfield do this um, and, and Johnny Menzel wasn't able to. You know, I was rooting for that guy. And I think a lot of people were. 
I know a lot of people weren't. <laughs> a lot of people were not a fan of his, you know, his brash style and his personality, whatever. It's sports. He didn't do anything to insult anybody off the field, didn't do anybody anything to disrespect anybody on it. The guy plays with passion and emotion, and that's what football is all about, all right? Uh, he, he wasn't a jerk, per se. Like, I've seen – I mean, I've seen – we've seen worse, right? But I was thinking about that, man. I was like, wow, man, I, I really – would have liked to have seen uh, Johnny Manziel do what Baker Mayfield is doing right now for the Browns. I think it would have been cool, but you know, it didn't happen. But um, another thing that, that happened, I'm, I'm sorry, another coach that I feel, and he's definitely not going to get it, even though he did win his division, the seven and nine Washington Redskins are going to the playoffs. And I think Ron Rivera deserves at least a look. Right. I, I, I feel he does, because the Washington Redskins, that organization has been a mess since the turn of the century. They really, really have with Dan Snyder and, you know, all these these issues that they have off the field and, you know, how they treat their employees, so on and so forth. You know, you had that going on. OK, you had a horrible roster. OK, I believe they started the season. You look at Washington's record and, and, and remember, guys, uh, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, the type of cancer or the form of cancer that Ron Rivera was dealing with, but he was undergoing treatments for this cut for the first couple of weeks of the season. Okay. Um, and so, you know, that's another thing to consider. Uh, but they started out the season one, two, three, four, five, one in five. Okay. Wow. All right. They went on a roll late. They ended up winning, like I said, seven and nine and, the NFC East champions <laughs> at seven and nine. God, if that isn't the worst division in like all of sports, but um, I think he deserves a look. He's not going to win it. It's probably going to go to Stefanski, but those three guys I think are worthy, uh, worthy names of, of at least being considered. I really do. But um, something else that happened in the NFL yesterday, man, Derek Henry, Jesus Christ, man, that guy is just uh, a, a beast. He goes over 2000 yards I think that's awesome. I remember when Barry Sanders did it uh, back in whenever it was. He, I think it was like 97, maybe 98, somewhere. It was definitely the 90s, latter part of the 90s. And I was just in awe because I had never seen it before. You know, I was in, I think I was like in middle school around that time, whenever it was that he, whenever it was that he did it. And I was just like super, super impressed because that's something that hadn't happened in my lifetime, okay? And so we've seen it a couple of times since then. Uh, Chris Johnson did it for the Titans. Now Derrick Henry did it, and I think I'm missing somebody else. I think did, – didn't Larry Johnson do it, if I'm not mistaken? I can't remember, but uh, that is an incredible feat, especially now in, in, in this NFL. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. To do it in this pass-heavy era of football, college, you know, high school, college, pro, uh, there's not even a fullback anymore <laughs> in football. I mean, the Patriots use a fullback. Okay, but I mean, that's like, I, I can't think of other teams. I mean, it's just, you know, football is, isn't about running the ball anymore. It's about passing in, on third and one 
or passing on the goal line when you're the Seattle Seahawks, when the Super Bowl is on the line to win it all and you pass it and you get intercepted at the goal line. I mean, for crying out loud, I don't think I, I, I know I, I for sure know Richard Sherman never got over that. But Marshawn Lynch probably never got over that either. Like, goodness Christ, like, what are you, what are you doing? But uh, hats off to Derrick Henry, man. The man is 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 an absolute beast. I'm pulling up his stats right now, and he is. I have my notes here. Derrick Henry is the first player ever, ever, with 200 yards rushing in three straight games. That's that's kind of crazy uh, with the same team, okay? And no, I'm not that smart. I saw that on ESPN, and ESPN got that stat from the Elias Sports Bureau. For so so there, there there's the credit for them. <laughs> All right, um, that's not something that I went ahead and looked up. But wow, first player ever, okay, in NFL history to run, uh, to rush for 200 yards or more in three straight games while being on the same team. That's 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 just ridiculous. And hats off to him, man, because um, the guy is a specimen. He's an absolute beast. Former Heisman Trophy winner, won national championship, obviously with the uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide. And I still think that that is uh, Christian McCaffrey's Heisman. I really do. I really think that Christian McCaffrey uh, deserved it. But um, I mean, both guys were deserving, but I think Christian McCaffrey should have won it. But uh, going back to Derrick Henry, 16 games. 2,027 yards rushing, averaging uh, 5.4 a pop. He had a long of 94 yards. God knows how many stiff arms, okay? Uh, 17 touchdowns and just just a complete play. You want to know what's crazy about him is that you see how big he is, right? Okay? And let me tell you exactly how big he is. Derrick Henry, okay, King Henry, if you want to call him that, is every bit of 6'3", 247 pounds. 26 years old, okay? And by the way, a, a, a Florida guy, Yuli, Florida. All right, I'm sorry, Yuli High School in Florida. Um, every bit of 6'3", 247. The crazy thing about that, watching him play, is that he pulls away from defenders. Isn't that crazy? He, I mean, you see him, and he never gets caught from behind. Not, not, not any highlight that I've seen. He's running away from defensive backs. He's running away from the fastest guys on the field. That's insane. All right. And it's not because, you know, he has an angle on them. No, he's running away from them. That's impressive. Okay. Cause he's definitely going to run you over, going to run through you. Doesn't have the need for any type of, you know, uh, juke moves or wiggle or anything like he doesn't need it. He's either going to run through you or past you. Uh, that's, that's crazy. I'm getting out of his way. I really am. Okay. Um, I, I, I mean, you, you, you can't go for his legs cause he'll just break your arms with his massive tree trunk thighs or you go up high. He's going to make you look silly with his stiff arm or he's just, I mean, just pull a hamstring. I think that's your best thing when you're going up against Derek Kenny, just, you know, pull up, pull a hammy and uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. Another record that was broken yesterday. Philip Rivers throws for a touchdown pass 421 passing the great Dan Marino uh, for fifth all time on that list. And I have that list pulled up here or is NFL all time leading passers um, touchdown passes. I, I want to go through this list really quick. One through 10. All right. And that list is as follows. Tom Brady. 581 Drew Brees 571 Peyton Manning. 
539. Brett Favre, 508. Philip Rivers, we just talked about 421. Dan Marino, 420. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, 412. Ben Roethlisberger, 396. Eli Manning, 366. And Matt Ryan, 347. Isn't it crazy the amount of active guys that are on that list? Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Philip Rivers, Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger, and Matt Ryan. Seven out of the top ten are active. Seven out of the ten all-time passing touchdown leaders are active in the NFL right now. And we're going to see those guys for, I want to say, at least, this may be Drew Brees' last season, but Tom Brady, for sure, I, I think he has another year, maybe two left in him. Uh, Matt Ryan, I don't think Brent Roethlisberger is going anywhere. I think you got at least another season of him. But wow, man, that's just that's just really impressive. The longevity uh, of these guys, you know, it says a lot. But um, I'm going to step aside really quick, pay some bills, guys. And I'll see you on the other side of the break. You've been listening to The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145, Slam Radio. You're listening to The Michael McCoy Show, only on Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio. Why was the basketball court all wet? Because the players kept dribbling on it. The dad joke. <laughs> Corny, groan-worthy, but also one of the simplest ways to share a moment with your kids. What did the buffalo say when he dropped his son off for school? Bye, son. <laughs> so take a moment to make your kid laugh, because dad jokes rule. Make your kid laugh today. Go to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. I mean, really, it really apologist. comes down to... I'm going to make an apologist image for you, bro, because it, everything that I say, you like, oh, but LeBron had to do this, and he, he had to jump over a car. Isn't LeBron the king? Can LeBron jump over the Empire State Building? He probably could, but why probably. would he do it? But why doesn't he jump over the Empire State Building to win a slam dunk contest? Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. We'll be back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit stoptextsstoprex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, let's do this. We are back from our break. You are still listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM channel 145 Slam Radio. And if you didn't have enough football talk, I got some more for you. We're going to still be on the NFL side of things, but we're going to talk more about the actual playoffs coming up this week and everything got sorted out in the final week of the NFL. And by the way, guys, if you guys, you know, play fantasy football, congratulations to all you champions. And um, there's no need to discuss my, my fantasy football season. There really isn't. I just wanted to say congratulations to everybody that had more than one win on the season. Uh, but like I said, we're not going to talk about that. Um, yeah. So the, the NFL playoff picture, it's going to be an interesting playoff uh, because of obviously the ongoing, global pandemic that we are in i'll tell you one thing all right it's really gonna suck okay there's really no other word for it it's really going to suck if we see any playoff matchup 
affected due to uh, complications because of COVID. It really is. If we see like Aaron Rodgers have to sit out because of COVID or Derrick Henry have to sit out because of, or anybody, it doesn't matter. But obviously I've mentioned the big names because these are the guys that, you know, they're starters, they're superstars. They affect the game. You know, these are the guys that make things happen. They're uh, significant parts of their team. I hope it doesn't happen. I'm wondering how it's going to be handled if something like that does happen. If, you know what, we're going to go ahead and postpone this game until this guy's able to play. Because that's exactly why I'm not, and I'm going a little bit off topic here, but I will come back, I promise. That's exactly why I am not that into this NBA season. Because if you thought last season was going to, was crazy, you haven't seen anything yet, and I promise you that. I promise you that this season, this NBA season is going to stink way more than last season did. I promise you. Mark my words. But um, I just hope for everybody to be healthy and uh, we see actual football games being played with the best players on the field. All right? Let's just put it that way. But let's let's talk about these matchups uh, because um, they're set. They're set, and you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little bitter. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about uh, my Niners here. I'm I'll say all I'll say is this about the 49ers and the rest of the NFL. The NFL is lucky that the Niners had a serious serious uh, visit by the injury bug this year. Like I'm so serious about that because you look at this team and you know you sustained injuries to your quarterback, to your running back who was in and out of the lineup. You had significant starters on defense tear their ACLs early on in the season. You know, you're talking about four, and this is just off the top of my head. Okay. Four contributors to a team that should have beaten the Kansas city chiefs for the super bowl last year, had it not been for uh, Kyle Shanahan, not deciding to keep the ball on the ground. You know, he thought the, that, you know, he just turned into a, a passing team. And Tyron Matthew even said it. I don't know why they stopped running the football. We're lucky that they stopped running the football. <sighs> All I got to say is, you know, the NFC, at the very least, the NFC West is damn lucky that the Niners um, were hurt this year. You know, you're talking about a team that swept the Rams, all right? Uh, a, a team that, you know, gave the Seahawks all it could yesterday in a loss but they'll be back they'll be back and they'll be better they're going to be a lot better because john lynch is that dude he's probably the best general manager in a full but anyway i'm sorry uh in the nfc we'll start in the nfc the number one seed the green bay packers wow the green bay packers and you want you want to know what i'm going to do actually i'm going to go through the final standings before i go through the actual playoff matchups how does that sound let's do that all right um like i said we'll stay on the nfc all right, we'll start with the NFC least. I'm sorry, the NFC East and the division champion seven and nine Washington. I'm sorry, not Washington Redskins, uh, the Washington football team. Okay, seven and nine. All right, they close out the season. The Giants, the Giants finished the season six and ten. And by the way, they started, you would have never guessed that. Okay, and um, that's another coach to look for, Joe Judge, you know, uh, uh Bill Belichick, uh, not protege, but off that coaching tree, the Giants started the season, ladies and gentlemen, with five consecutive losses, okay? 
after six, seven, after eight, five, six, seven, after eight games, they were one and seven. They finished six and 10. They finished six and 10. I think that's very commendable. All right. And so um, that's a team to look at. We'll see how they do. They finished second in the NFC East. Uh, that's the only reason why I'm talking about them is because they finished second in the NFC East, tied with the John. I'm sorry, tied with the Cowboys, which is crazy. All right. And uh, my internet is acting a little bit spider right now. I'm trying to get these these standings back. But the Giants, I mean, uh, especially considering you lose Saquon Barkley in the beginning of the season as well. I mean, that's 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 a that's a thing. That's that's the best running back in football. A lot of people are talking about. Okay. And you, you know, you lose him. So, uh, you know, the giants, they were, they, 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 they just, like I said, they lost five games in a row to start the season. And then in those first couple of games, you lose Saquon Barkley. I didn't think they were going to win three games, but here they are winning six. I think that's commendable for Joe judge. Uh, the Cowboys, like I said, six and 10, the green Bay Packers with the best record in the NFC 13 and three, uh, the bears, in the NFC North, they were second in the division, eight and eight. NFC South, uh, the Saints finished twelve and four with the Bucks eleven and five, a game behind them. The the, the Bucks, they got swept by the Saints, so we'll see uh, if they face each other at some point in the playoffs. Um, and uh, by the way, if you could only if you if you can tell, I'm only really mentioning the playoff teams and how they finish in the division races. And the NFC West, that is easily the best and toughest division in the nfl you got the seahawks atop that division 12 and 4 with the rams 10 and 6 behind them the cardinals didn't make the playoffs they finished 8 and 8 and then i talked about my niners finishing 6 and 10 moving on to the afc talked about the bills well actually we didn't talk about the bills we talked about the dolphins but the bills win the afc east 13 and 3 wow dolphins 10 and 6 they missed out on the playoffs 7 and 9 for the patriots and the lowly jets at 2 and 14 probably the worst two loss team in nfl history my god they're bad NFC, I'm sorry, AFC North, you got the Steelers 12 and 4. The Ravens 11 and 5, and the Browns 11 and 5. They finished third in the division at 11 and 5. And then you got the Bengals 4 and 11. Uh, the Titans 11 and 5, with the Colts 11 and 5 as well. But Titans claim, the Titans claim that division tiebreaker. And, uh, you, know, you know, you got you got the Texans 4 and 12. Um, now, moving on to the playoff picture. And by the way, you're listening to the Michael McCoy Show on SiriusXM Channel 145 Slam Radio. So, the playoff picture. You're going to have a buy for the... For the we're going to start with the NFC, all right? We're going to start with the NFC, and you're going to have a buy for the Green Bay Packers. I think that's going to be pretty... I mean, we get we have this conversation every year. Having a buy, is it good? Is it bad? Is it... You know, is it great because you get to rest up and heal up and study more on your who you think you're going to face? Or is it bad because you rest and you have you have the chance to develop rust? I don't know. It's different for every team. OK, um, some teams get hot at the right time and then, you know, they have this bye week and uh, or some not not to get hot at the right time, but they're hot. They're playing great. And then, you know, that's the worst thing. So. That's when I think a bye week can mess with you is if you are on an absolute roll. That's really the only time I think it can mess with you. Um, other than that, you're talking about, you know, the most violent sport that there is in the NFL. So a bye can't really be that bad of a thing. But the, that's where the Packers sit. 
They locked up the NFC North with the number one seed in the conference, and they'll receive home field advantage throughout the NFC playoffs and a wild card round bye. All right. Uh, second seed in the NFC is the Saints. They locked up the South, and they'll be the second seed. They faced the Bears on Sunday at 440. We move on to the Seahawks. Um, and by the way, I got the Saints in that. But the Saints, my God, they have had the worst luck that any franchise has had in playoff <laughs> in the past couple of years in the playoffs. I mean, you know, you figure losing to the Vikings on that miracle play a couple of years ago, then at home, uh, you know, with that bad loss. What was it last year? That pass interference that shouldn't have happened. Well, who was that against? Was that against the? The, I can't remember who that was against, but my God, they've had some terrible, terrible luck. Hopefully the fortunes, you know, their fortunes have changed, but they're going to go ahead and play the Bears at home. You got the Seahawks. They play on Saturday. They play on Saturday at 440 against the Rams. And this will be the third time that they play uh, the Rams this season. So we're going to see how that goes. Uh, another NFC West matchup there. That game will be played. Um in Seattle, you got the Washington football team at the four spot. They're going to be playing the Bucks. I'm assuming that the Bucks will take that one. We'll see. The Bucks are the fifth seed, and uh, the sixth seed Rams. We talked about them. They're going to be playing the Seahawks, and then you got the Bears playing the Saints at 4:40. That's the wild card matchup. We talked about that. The Bears are the seventh seed. Uh, over at the over on the AFC. Well, no, early know who that is. You know, you got you got the Kansas City Chiefs with the number one seed in the conference. They're going to have home field throughout, and they will be off this weekend. The number two ranked Bulls. I'm sorry, Bills. Wow, that's just crazy to to say. The Bills haven't been good since the '90s, since like Jim Kelly, since like Thurman Thomas and Andre Reid. I know I'm throwing back some names there, but wow, that's that's the last time we remember the Bills being. Um, consistently good. So uh, they're home to the Colts. All right, that Saturday, that game is on Saturday at one o'clock. They're home to the Colts. You got the Steelers uh, in the third spot. They will be home against the Browns. That's going to be uh, a matchup that we just saw yesterday, and we'll see how how far the Browns have come along. Okay, we'll see how how far Pittsburgh has come along because that's a team that, I mean, remember they, they were undefeated up until I believe it was week 11. They were 11 and 0 and they just hit a wall. This is a team. Pittsburgh is a team that I actually feel can beat the chiefs if they played, because to me, the chiefs, they, uh, I don't know, man, they're not the same team. They're not the same team and offensively, you know, they get behind and they come back all the time. But how many times have we seen that coming back to bite you in the you know what if you play with fire too much? And I think that the Chiefs lose to a team that can score points and has just enough defense. All right. Just enough defense. And the Steelers have a very good defense and they score points. So we'll see, man. And I, and I can't even say. It depends on where that game is played because there's like in some stadiums there there is no crowd. So we'll see. I mean, there's really no no home field advantage this year. Uh anywhere you go, because I mean you can hear you can hear everything. You know, there, there's there's really no uh there's no reason for a false start this year. 
damn it. That's that's what I'm saying. Uh, you know, offenses aren't um, deterred by crowd noises. All right. Even the artificial crowd noise, if that's allowed, I don't even know if that's allowed to be pumped into the games this year. But uh, that's who the Steelers face. Uh, the three seed will face the Browns on Sunday, 815. You got the Titans. They're the fourth seed in the AFC. They're going to go ahead and play uh, the Ravens. That's going to be a good one. That's going to be a really, really good one because the Ravens, they started, that's another team that started off the season hot and they kind of just hit a wall. Um, We'll see. Will Lamar Jackson be able to prove to everybody that he can go ahead and be a consistent passer when he needs to be in the playoffs, when teams are scheming against you and for you? And, you know, we'll see two running teams. I don't know. I, I, this is a, if I was a betting man, this is a game that I would not bet because it's too close to call, man. It's really too close to call. Um, I'm still not sold on Ryan Tannehill. Okay. I'm still not. I'm just not. I mean, I could probably go out there and be the starting quarterback for the Titans. If I had a 2000 yard rusher behind me, right. King Henry. Um, I don't want to call Ryan Tannehill a scrub, but I'm just not sold on him. I could probably name 10 quarterbacks that I would take ahead of him in the NFL right now, maybe even more. Uh, He's a second tier guy. What can I say? Uh, He has everything that a quarterback needs to win. He has a good defense, a good coaching staff and a hell of a running game with a great offensive line. I mean, I mean, and a playmaker and AJ Brown at receiver. I mean, what more do you want? (laughs) He, he has, he has it. If, can you imagine if they had say a, a top tier quarterback on that team? goodness gracious they'd be undefeated i don't know that's how i see it but i don't even know i I can't if i was to have to pick a winner in that game the titans and the ravens i'm gonna go titans i'm out i'm i'm gonna go titans just because just because i haven't seen lamar jackson do it in the playoffs yet and be that passer that he needs to be we'll see the sixth seed is the browns we already talked about they're playing the steelers and then uh you know, the Colts, they're going to go ahead and play the Bills. That's that's Saturday, 145. I'm sorry, 105 p.m. And so I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I think I'm looking forward more to the AFC matchups than I am the NFC matchups. I really am. Because um, like I said, you, you, you got the Saints and the Bears. I'm probably going to say Saints there. You got the Seahawks and the Rams. That's going to be a good one. I'm probably going to say Ram. I'm sorry, Seahawks, but that's going to be a good one because the Rams, they're no slouch. And... um you know, Washington plays the Bucks. Probably gonna say the Bucks there, and then uh, yeah, the Bears and the Saints. I already talked about. It. Then the A and AFC. You know, the Bills and the Colts. That's gonna be a good one. An old AFC East matchup. The Steelers and the Browns. I think that's gonna be a better matchup than most think. Even though I think the Steelers are gonna come away with it. And then I just talked about the Titans and the Ravens. And uh, I don't know. I just like the AFC. The AFC matchups more. Than I do the NFC one. So we'll see, man. Should be a good playoff uh, this year. And the Super Bowl is going to be played in Tampa Bay. We'll see if the Bucks will be the first team in NFL history to host a Super Bowl. Ladies and gentlemen, um, thanks for listening to the Michael McCoy show. Got one more segment. We're going to talk about some NBA hoops. Steph Curry went off yesterday, guys. Wow. Uh, we're going to talk about that and more so uh keep it locked you're listening to the michael mccoy show on sirius xm channel 145 slam radio you're listening to the michael mccoy show only on sirius xm 145 slam radio why was the basketball court all wet because the players kept dribbling on it the dad joke corny groan worthy 
but also one of the simplest ways to share a moment with your kids. What did the buffalo say when he dropped his son off for school? Bye, son. <laughs> so take a moment to make your kid laugh, because dad jokes rule. Make your kid laugh today. Go to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. Just the two of us. We can make it if we try. Just the two of us. You and I. Well, you, got the, you forgot the... Oh, the two of us, we're building castles in the sky, just the two of us. Go. You and I. There you go. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. And now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, guys, last segment of the show. Thank you very much for sticking around with me throughout the entirety of the show. If you've been here that long, I really, really appreciate it. Uh, Glad to be back. Happy New Year. Um, Again, hope everybody had a wonderful holiday season and um, everybody's remaining safe. Uh, You know, obviously, you know, got to wear a mask and follow protocol because I missed tailgating this college football season. All right. I really did. And I don't want to miss it again for a second consecutive season. I got to head to Alabama and watch my Hurricanes beat up on the Crimson Tide in, in September and, and for, for Labor Day weekend kickoff. OK, so get it together, guys. This is not cool. All right. But um, before I head into some NBA talk, there's a couple of things that I uh, didn't have enough time to talk about in the last segment. And it is really quick, you know, just, just my take on, you know, the MVP um, race. You got Aaron Rodgers, who's probably going to win it. Okay. Um, But let me tell you something, man, you know, obviously uh, Derek Henry is obviously in the mix because of he's having an incredible year, but I don't hear his name being brought up as much because, you know, the NFL MVP normally always goes to a, a quarterback, just like the Heisman Trophy usually always goes to a quarterback. Okay, uh, Allen is playing great for the Bills, and he's having a turnaround season—well, not a turnaround season, but a season that really nobody expected, unless you live in Buffalo. <laughs> but um, why not Derrick Henry? I get he's a running back, but he literally is more important then any other MVP candidate is to his team. I'm sorry, but take him off that team and Ryan Tannehill's not going to win you the amount of games that the Titans have won this season. That's that's not how I see it. And I don't think that you could just plug in any running back into that team and have the success that the Titans did. I don't think that's the case, okay? I don't think that any other running back is going to run for three straight 200-yard games because Derrick Henry is the only person to ever have done it in NFL history. I don't think that's going to happen, okay? I really think that – I really hope, I should say, that uh, these voters don't – or whoever has a vote for for MVP just doesn't say, oh, yeah, you know, blindly give it to a quarterback. And listen – I don't have a problem with Aaron Rodgers winning it because probably 
out of all the quarterbacks that, you know, is up for it, probably the guy that stands out the most. Um, remember going into the year, uh, everybody talked about the weapons that he didn't have. And here we are, the guy's thrown for like 40 touchdowns. Okay. Barely any interceptions, but um, I wouldn't mind him seeing it, but I would love to see a running back win it. I really would love to see Derrick Henry win it. So that's that. But um, moving on to the NBA and uh, did you guys see Steph Curry last night go off for 62 points, 62 points guys. He hit, 18 shots <laughs> he hit 18 shots and he scored 62 points i believe he scored 31 in each half but the guy lost his mind and it was really really good to see because why why do people hate on steph i don't get it i don't understand how you can dislike a guy or talk about you know him losing his step the guy is only like 31 or 32 years old. He's still in his prime. He's the great, greatest shooter ever. And he's likable. Like, what is like, what are you doing? I don't understand. I don't, I, I don't understand the uh, you know, the slander that this guy gets. Like I said, super likable guy, beautiful family, and he just lost his mind last night. I'm pulling up the box score right now, so I don't talk about like um uh, so I don't sound like I'm talking about a book that I never read. But, uh, you know, they hosted the Blazers. And, again, there's no really crowds right now in the NBA. But um, 137 to 122, these scores in the NBA, they make me cringe, man. They really, really do. Like, it's just, just crazy. Like I talked about a couple segments ago, there's really no dominant defense in college football. Well, damn it, there's, there's no defense in the NBA. My God. But uh, Steph Curry, man. 18 of 31, he hit eight three-pointers, missed one free throw. He goes 18 of 19 from the charity stripe. And he did all this in 36 minutes. Greatest shooter of all time, hands down, hands down, okay? I was thinking if I had to name the top five shooters of all time in my book in no particular order, even though I am going to say that Steph Curry is the best shooter that you have ever seen, that I have ever seen, that anybody has ever seen, okay, he's number one. But four through, I'm sorry, two through five, this is how I fill them out. Again, in no particular order, you got Reggie Miller, Ray Allen, so that's three guys, okay, um, you got to put Petrovic in there, okay? You got to put Petrovic in there. The uh, – I forget what country he's from. I forget what country he's from, but uh, the same country that Vladi Divac is from. Um, guy played for the Nets, died in, you know, a tragic car accident back in the 90s. That dude was automatic. I think Steph Curry – I mean, this dude was probably just as good as Steph Curry. And let me tell you what makes Steph Curry different really quick, Okay. It's not the fact that he makes everything. It's how he does it. Because I promise you, you've never seen a shooter like Steph Curry that can get a shot, not just get a shot off, but make a shot off of any move. That's what makes Steph Curry special. He comes off of screens. He can walk into a three and pull up, okay? He can cross you left and right, step back. But James Harden doesn't make the shots that Steph Curry does. He doesn't. I mean, uh, Jabe Harden is shaking, bake left and right, step back. That's it. Okay. Steph Curry 
number one, probably has a better handle than, than I say probably because they're, they're right there with each other, but probably has a better handle than Steph than, than, uh, than Beard does, but he pulls up any shot off of any move. That's what makes him special because Ray Allen didn't do that. Reggie Miller didn't do that. Clay Thompson can't do that. Uh, Dragon, Dragon Petrovic didn't do that. Nobody has done it. Iverson didn't have the shot that he does, but Iverson pulled off some crazy shot. Colby never did it. You know, these guys weren't the shooters that uh, Steph Curry is, but my God, like that's what makes Steph Curry special, that he makes these threes from 30 and 35 feet off of anything. Off of anything, off of any dribble, off of any movement. Again, pin downs, uh, it, it doesn't matter. He's putting it up, and it's going in 43% of the time, okay? So, um, yeah, he just he, – he lost his mind yesterday, and it was good to see. That's, that's my, that's my super-duper dark horse, but that's my pick to win MVP. I went out on a limb big time and said that Steph Curry was my pick to win the MVP. Why? And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM channel 145 Slam Radio. Why? Because especially now that Clay's not around, but um, I think he's pissed. Okay. I think he's pissed off. And I think he has something to prove. I think that he's going to um, prove what Draymond said last year, you know, that, you know, this dynasty is not dead. And I believe that. I really do believe that because, guys, when Klay Thompson comes back, okay, Steph Curry's still going to be Steph Curry. I don't know if Draymond's still going to be there. I hope he is. But you remember, that was the core that won a championship in 20, what, 2015, was it? Okay. Uh, and they had great coaching. They actually played decent defense. But the role players around them, okay, uh, one thing that uh, that uh, the Warriors never really had until they had KD in the lineup was an athlete, okay? They got Wiseman now, okay? That's a four, that, that's a nice little pick and roll that you have now at your disposal that you really didn't have before, a guy diving to the basket that can finish at the rim uh, amongst the trees, an athletic big, okay? They got him. They got Oubre, who's an athlete. The guy can't shoot worth a lick, but uh, that's another athlete and a wing defender that could guard multiple positions. And that's the thing with the Warriors. They're multiple. They can guard you. Uh, you know, they got guys that can guard multiple positions. And they're flexible in that sense. They're interchangeable defensively. Okay. Um, that is once Clay comes back, once they're healthy. Not this season. And again, I'm not paying. I mean, let me not say I'm not paying that much attention to the NBA this year. Because that would be false. But... It's, it's a different feel, man, because we really don't know what to expect. Okay, I said in the last segment that if you think last season was crazy, the longest regular season in NBA, well, the longest season period in NBA history, you haven't seen anything yet. Okay, we have a shortened offseason. Guys are going to get hurt. As much as I hate to admit it, guys are going to get hurt. COVID is going to throw a wrench in a bunch of teams' plans. We don't know who's going to be out for when, for how long, or, you know, there's going to be key matchups that we're going to want to see that may or may not happen due to COVID. And I pray that we get into the playoffs and we don't see big names, just like I talked about in the last segment when I was talking about uh, the NFL playoffs. I hope that we don't have that bomb up. Oh, LeBron games is going to be inactive for game seven of the NBA finals. Can you imagine that? 
Can you just imagine that? That I mean, how would that be handled? Do you say play on or do you say nah? It's this is this is crazy. Let's let's wait two weeks, 14 days for him to clear and play game seven. I don't think that something like that would happen. We'll see, man. We'll see how Adam Silver handles it. That I love that guy. I trust him. Um, I love him. He makes great decisions, and the league is in great hands with him, obviously. Uh, successor to uh, David Stern, who, ladies and gentlemen, if you're if you can't remember, uh, David Stern passed on uh, New Year's Day 2020. So just over a year since he's been gone and we miss him. I mean, a guy was great for the NBA. He got on my nerves sometimes. And no, I'm not talking about somebody who's deceased. Okay. But he got on my nerves there for a little bit because, you know, he changed some rules that I was not in favor of. You know, he kind of got on the guys about their dress code and, but he was great for the league, obviously Um, expanding the league, uh, making basketball an international sport. And so, uh, the NBA was actually in trouble when he took over, but, um, you know, being the great decision maker and businessman that he is, uh, look at the NBA now, you know, but yeah, man, I just, I, I, this, this season, it's going to be crazy. And, um, I don't know. I, I, I just hope for the better, but let's take a look at the standings really quick because I think they're worth noting. Um, and again, it, it's nothing to really, to talk about because it's, I mean, what can you talk about? Uh, there have been guys already that it's been out, you know, due to COVID, you know, my bulls are suffering from that as we speak right now, but uh, let's, let's, let's start in the Eastern conference. You got Philly at five and one. Remember the situation that they have going on there right now. Doc Rivers is now their head coach. And for, for everyone that likes to say that they just don't see Embiid and Ben Simmons meshing at all. And that one of them is going to have to go. I've never felt that way. I mean, if you think about it, you actually have the perfect pairing. You have a guy that wants to pass versus a guy that wants to score. I mean, hello, both of them play defense when they want to. No, not and actually when they want to. Ben uh, Ben Simmons is actually one of the best uh, perimeter defenders in the NBA. Okay, the guy's six ten and he's a point guard, uh, probably better suited for the power forward position in my opinion, but a point forward. But um, you know, he listed as a point guard, elite defender in that sense. And then you got Embiid, who's uh one of the better defenders down low in the NBA, uh shot blocker and can be a complete eraser once he gets his mind to it. But yeah, I, I don't understand how people say it's just it's just not gonna work. One of them's gonna have to go, and that one is probably gonna be Ben Simmons. But no, no, I'm, I hope Doc Rivers finds a way to make that work. And at five and one, where they sit right now, they're undefeated at home. Uh, on a three-game winning streak, uh, he's making that happen. The Pacers, Cleveland Cavaliers, Orlando Magic, and Atlanta Hawks are all uh, all share the same record at four and two. All right, Hawks are fifth in the conference, and then uh, you got the Magic. I'm sorry, you got the Celtics at four and three at six. The Knicks are three and three, and then the Bucks three and three again. You can't put too much stock. Well, you can't put any stock right now. We're not even ten games into the season, and it's a COVID year. Okay, we're gonna have a shortened NBA season, and so we'll see. But that's the East as it stands right now. I will say that my Bulls have a better record than the Heat <laughs> at three and four. The Heat are two and three, and the Brooklyn Nets. That's that's a team that you expect to turn it around 
they're three and four. Okay. Uh, their coaching situation. Remember Steve Nash is hired. He does have uh, Mike D'Antoni on his bench, but KD and Kyrie, that should be enough to at least get you uh, a top four seed. We'll see again, a lot, uh, a lot of basketball to be played, but right now they're three and four. I don't think anybody really saw that coming. Um, let's move down to the Western conference and take a look at those standings really quick. And so uh, Clippers five and two. Did you see that matchup last night against the Suns? Paul George and uh, Devin Booker going at it, jawing at each other. And um, I thought that was cool to see because I don't understand, you know, again, knee jerkers. Knee jerkers really get on my nerves. And that's for any sports fan that's a knee jerker because, you know, all of a sudden Paul George is a bad basketball player. Come on, guys. Come on, man. And if you're one of those, one of if you're one of those guys, get it together the guy had a bad experience at the bubble suffered from a little bit of depression missed his family it affected his play uh he says according to him that he felt he was used improperly in a dark river system okay fine whatever you can argue that or you can argue well you still hit the side of the backboard when you, you were wide open but still man um the guy has i mean isn't that like the only time you see Paul George play horribly? Yeah. Yeah. For such a long period of time? Yes. Yes, it is. You, you guys just forgot what he did as a member of the Pacers, right? I mean, come on, man. The guy was up for, not up for MVP, but he was in MVP discussions as a member of the Oklahoma City Thunder. And guess who was his teammate? Did you forget that? Come on, man. He had a hell of a game last night. He goes off for 39 points as the Clippers beat the Suns. Those two teams, along with the Lakers, are five and two uh, atop the Western Conference. The Clippers one, Phoenix Suns two, LA Lakers three. We got the Jazz at four and two, uh, tied with the Pelicans at, with the same record. The Pelicans are fifth in the conference. Warriors, Blazers, Kings round out the top eight in that order. They all share a three and three record. You got the Rockets from the, out the outside looking in. Uh, if the playoffs started right now, which they obviously will not, they're two and two, OKC two and three. The Mavericks are a team that I'm expecting big things from, man. I really am. Um, I mean, you just look at their roster and obviously we know who their coach is. Great, great, great coaching situation there uh, for years on end. But you look at the uh, the Mavericks roster and I think that it's just I think it's I actually think it's pretty loaded. OK. Jalen Brunson's a good player. Remember him in Villanova just a few years ago. Trey Burke, uh, the kid's a baller out of Michigan. If you guys remember what he did uh, when Michigan uh, lost to Louisville several years ago in the NCAA championship game, you got Willie Cauley-Stein, uh, poor man's Tyler, uh, I'm sorry, Tyson Chandler, Luka Doncic, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, James Johnson's a good player. I don't know. I just think this team is, and obviously, hello, um, how can I uh, how, how can I just forget? Uh, I am forgetting his name. Shame on me. Oh, my God. Uh, the big guy, the tall guy from the Knicks. I can't remember. I can't believe I'm drawing a blank here. But you know who I'm talking about. Um, oh, my God. This is horrible. This is really embarrassing, actually. <laughs> this is really embarrassing. But in any event, I, I feel that that team is just I, I think they're ready to take off. I really do feel that they're ready to take off. And so um, they're sitting at two and four. They're sitting at two and four. And it's just it's just crazy to me. But um, again, 
you, you can't buy you can't buy into anything you can't buy into anything right now with these standings so uh we'll see we'll see what happens but um i'm out of time and uh i'm really glad that i was able to get back on air man it's been a couple of weeks and uh first show of 2021 is in the books guys i hope that everybody has a great monday again january 4th 2021 first monday of the year Guys, make it a good one. I'll see you back next week, same time, same place. You're listening to The Michael McCoy Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. The views and opinions expressed on The Michael McCoy Show are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.